How's it going, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Barely There podcast. Uh, as always, I'm Duke Coffin. You can follow me on Twitter at that pod guy Duke. And I'm joined by the man himself, Lucas Perfetti. You can follow him at LucasFetti46 on Twitter. Be sure to follow the podcast, Barely There Pod, as well. Um, be sure to join the conversation over on YouTube. We are live right now. We're also on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we are not going to get your comments on Twitter, so don't comment over there. But if you want to join the conversation, be sure to hit us up on YouTube. Lucas, it is the Chicago Bears versus the Atlanta Bears. Um, Ryan Pace has brought very much that Chicago flair to the Atlanta Falcons, um, basically in a lot of different ways, uh, most noticeably by the record. Uh, we are 3-7. The Atlanta Falcons are Atlanta Bears, Atlanta Falcons, however you want to refer to them. They are 4-6. and six. Um, in, in a lot of ways, we have a lot of parallels as far as uh, kind of where we are as a team right now and kind of where we are as a franchise. I feel like we're aiming a little bit higher. Um, obviously, Justin Fields looks like a legitimate star compared to a guy like Marcus Mariota who looks like uh, – uh, he's going to be a bridge. He's definitely going to be a bridge guy, probably for the most part of his career. Um, he's basically keeping the seat warm for Desmond Ritter. If not, potentially Atlanta going all in, all in on a quarterback they fall in love with in the next year or two. So a lot of different stuff to go on here. Uh, Lucas, we can start with uh, the betting line, of course, because that's how we always roll with it. Um, the spread right now is plus three uh, for the Bears. Um, the money line is plus 140, and the over-under is 49 uh two defenses who have been giving up a lot of points chicago bears uh been scoring a lot of points i believe in the last month they are one of the highest scoring offenses in all of football um unfortunately that hasn't resulted in a lot of wins but we as anybody who's watching the game knows been a lot of games that we've been close in but lucas how are you feeling about these betting lines um how are you feeling about the chicago bears and the atlanta falcons well let's say all right, so the the line's a standard line. I think Vegas is essentially saying it's a pick 'em. You know, Falcons are getting three points because it's a spread. I'm going to say I like the Bears, especially against a team like this, but I think we've kind of learned that the Bears are not that good of a football team um, overall, right? Like a lot of bad football we've seen, but some really nice points with our quarterback that gives us a little bit more optimism. And I would say that the Bears and the Falcons are kind of mirroring each other in the sense of, there's a few very, very good players on each team, but the Falcons seem like they're still in disassemble mode, whereas the Bears are, you know, next step is rebuilding around your quarterback. And I think the Bears actually have a vision, which is something, you know, that is 100% influenced by fucking Justin Fields. Um, I, don't about, no, I don't know about the vision with the front office and coaching staff and everything yet. That still remains to be seen. But with Justin Fields, it, it definitely gives you a lot more faith in the Chicago Bears. In terms of the over-under, we're looking at the number one versus the number two rushing offense in football. So I love the under. Uh, I know I said that last week, but I'm actually called that my lock of the week. When I looked at the entire slate of games and I saw all the point spreads, all of the over-unders, I would say that the under I really like the most in this Atlanta and Chicago game. A um, couple reasons for that. Justin Fields has had some ab uh, like absurd performances on the ground. And I would assume that the bears are going to be smart and start thinking about, Hey, let's not, let's not, uh, you know, we're kind of out of the playoff hunt at this point. So let's not really expose to him to nearly as much risk. Now, will he decide to play hero, hero ball and rush for 70 yards on a touchdown? Like it's possible, but I just feel like there's going to be a rushing uh, running clock. And I don't think that the Falcons offense is really that good. It depends on what version of Marcus Mariota you get because 
you know, he's very peaks and valleys. And there's times where you see Marcus Mariota play for a quarter, you know, a few drives, whatever. And it's just like, wow, he's fucking really got it all. You know, you see why he was such a, a high end draft pick. And then there's the valleys that are much more frequent and often where you're just like, yeah, this guy is not very good at football. Right. So I love the under that's, that's my conclusion there. Um, I know you kind of gotten calling them the Atlanta bears. We're going to see a lot of familiar faces. Ryan pace is currently in the front office. It seems that he is uh, pulling a lot of those strings for Atlanta, especially this past off season with a lot of the guys you saw brought in as camp bodies. And a lot of the guys that you see on the roster currently, um, I mean, you even look at Marcus Mariota and Ryan Pace. I think that was the Leonard Floyd draft, and he tried to trade up and get into that second spot um, to get Marcus Mariota. He was in love with Marcus Mariota that year. He was not able to pull off a trade and grab him. So that's actually who he had his sights set on. Um, so, yeah, it, it just it feels like a very Ryan Pace-type team with how uh, how they're currently operating, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Um, and – I think it's crazy that like, I think every, I think a lot of people obviously in Chicago and I mean, it's easy to get this type of, you know, idea because, you know, you've dealt with the same guy for so long and you just didn't get the success you were hoping for. But it seems like, you know, this is something we were saying, Lucas, when uh, Pace originally got fired is like, he's a guy who is fairly liked around the league. Detroit versus and oh my gosh, we have Detroit Lions fans trolling us right now. That's it's just terrible. I'll give it to you though because you guys got the dub on us, so I'll let you have that one. Hey, thanks for jumping on. We appreciate it. Yeah, you know, hey, hit the subscribe button while you're here. You can make fun of us every week. Um, but like I, I think around the league, people can see that Ryan Pace is still a pretty talented talent evaluator. You know what I mean? Like he's a guy who can still find some pieces, especially in the late rounds of drafts and stuff like that. And it seems like when Atlanta took him on, I don't think he, he doesn't have the official GM role or anything like that. I think Atlanta does have a GM that isn't him, but you really see just fingerprints all over this roster. It's very obvious that ownership in Atlanta is very high on Ryan Pace. And you see it, you see it in the roster that's put out there. Um, what I do think is interesting actually though is the fact that they uh, do smash that like button. Yeah, be sure to smash that like button. Always smash that like button, baby. Um, I was actually I don't want to jinx this because we got the Detroit fan in here. But um it's actually kind of crazy with uh how balanced the Falcons offense is. Um, especially considering the guy they ended up bringing in, Dave Ragone, was a guy who was on the Bears offensive staff as a quarterback coach for a long time. Um, you know, and I, I, he was actually a guy that I kind of was intrigued about. I thought he, uh, should have got a chance at some point with where we got his play with play callers, whether it was Nagster, whether it was freaking Bill Lazor, whether it was freaking John Filippo. you know what I mean? It got, it got kind of congested there, but Ray Gohan was a guy that never really got a shot at that, but to see him get a shot in Atlanta and to see Atlanta's offense actually kind of show some balance. I mean, they're not totaling a lot of yards per game, but they, they show life. You know, and I think they've found a good way to uh, capitalize on what Marcus Mariota does good and what, you know, and being able to avoid what Marcus Mariota doesn't do very good. Um, I do like that peak, peaks and valleys comment, Lucas. I think that's a pretty good way to sum it up because there are certain points where Mariota looks like the number two overall pick. You know what I mean? Like, and, what the fuck? Yeah. But, but, but then there are other points, and like I saw it so much, especially in Tennessee towards the end, where he just is like frustrate, like frustratingly doing nothing. Like he, he, he's not going to whip picks. He's not going to fumble the ball 10 times or anything like that. He just is so damn lukewarm out of nowhere. Like he's just, it's ridiculous. It's like anticlimactic. It's like, he's going to make, 
you almost rather would have a you you would almost rather have a gunslinger that's going to make. And I know I say this after last week of his two like egregious fucking interceptions and the one that didn't get counted that he flipped up and like a complete asshole. But you would almost rather take some risks um, and and lose the ball than just be just completely tuck your tail between your legs, right? So um, I don't know, man. I will say there was the one game last year when Derek Carr was like rattled and he came in and played for for Derek Carr with the Raiders I think he might have played three quarters or two quarters something like that and he was like on the fucking money bro to the point where I was just like what is going on right now did this time away kind of give him a, a Tannehill resurgence but then you see him in a full starting role and it's like okay he's coming back to earth like he's still Marcus Mariota which he's a priority backup bro right like I would rather have I, I wouldn't want him to be my starting quarterback, but I'd rather have him than Trevor Simeon as my backup quarterback, right? Someone that's going to give you like a little bit of extra umph. Well, I mean, dude, I, I guess I agree with the backup quarterback point. Um, I think the biggest thing with Mariota is he's he he's somebody really good to bring into a game when a defense hasn't prepared for Marcus Mariota all week. You know what I mean? But once a defense kind of understands like, okay, we got to shoot a contain on this guy. Um, we're going to give him the underneath because that's where he's going to work his best. And uh, we're going to take away anything over the top because if we take shots over the top, that's where we're going to get him. Because Mariota was a guy who was seen as somebody who could develop his deep throw accuracy from like in the NFL. Um, you saw it a lot in Oregon because he had a lot of speed on the outside and it was basically track meets. But uh, when it's in the NFL where that kind of uh, that threshold's a lot, lot smaller, um, you obviously see more of what you see out of Marcus Mariota now. Um, and that, that deep throw never really developed. He's got a good arm. Like it's not that he can't sling it downfield. It's just, if you have more of a chance to get at him, if he's throwing deep balls and, uh, him attacking the underneath. So I would not be surprised if, um, you know, getting a shot, getting a shot at what the bears might do against him. Definitely going to have somebody on a contain, definitely going to be, uh, kind of really watching the, uh, outside edges of uh of the tackles um being able to kind of keep tackles inside i wouldn't mind keeping spies at tackle inside in case he were to try to go like do a run between the tackles or the guards or something like that kind of similar to we, what we see with like a justin fields or other mobile quarterbacks as well um wasn't i i know this is kind of off topic and this is now a marcus Mariota podcast but <laughs> well we got to talk about him he's gonna, he's gonna be the main guy that we're gonna have to deal with on Sunday. well and I think the re like the reality is like he was three years too early, right? Like he was at the tail end of the we're gonna fit you into our offense, and if it doesn't work, go fuck yourself era, right? Like I want to say he was one of the last true draft classes like that. We haven't seen really the adaptation of offenses to quarterback skill sets coming out as rookies because um, we need them to be successful instantly type shit like. We haven't seen that really until the Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields. Like we're seeing that a lot more now. It's a lot more common introducing uh, Kyler Murray's another one, right? Like introducing college concepts from the, from the start. And if I'm not mistaken, Philly was trying to trade up to get him because Chip Kelly just got hired at Philly the year he was drafted. And I wonder if like, if he would have went there, if there would have been a different story for both of them, right? Cause they were fucking electric in Oregon and I get it. Defensive backs are faster. It's it's harder to run that spread kind of bubble screens and bullshit stuff in the NFL. Um, but I don't know. It's just what what could have been, right? Like how many how many very good prospects didn't work out, especially at the quarterback position, just because they were in the wrong situation? Yeah, I think 
I think to that point, Lucas, where you're bringing up kind of like uh, fitting the mold, because I, I think that's a pretty good point. I do think it's a little bit more with Mariota that um, there was just flaws there that people try, weren't really trying to see. You know what I mean? And yeah, you know, and absolutely. I think his career goes on a different trajectory if his college coach ends up drafting him and he's able to play in that same spread type offense with a guy like Deshaun Jackson on the outside. I mean, hell, we saw what Michael Vick did in that offense immediately, which was what made that so dynamite there for a, a hot minute there. Um but like it's it, a lot of a lot of what it is with Mariota is just he never really developed from that original rookie stage. Like he had like dynamite stuff from the start. Like I, I'll never forget that fucking eighty yard touchdown basically on his first play as a rookie, where he just base where he scrambled out, just went downfield and outran everybody. Like everybody was like, "Holy shit, this guy is is going to be it." And he everyone was under the impression that he had a good enough arm to where it could be the perfect dual threat type setup. But I, I do think in the NFL today, teams are better at identifying offensive corner specifically at identifying that like, okay, this, this part of your throwing game is probably isn't going to develop at that far. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're, you have limited, like you have limited deep, deep throw accuracy, for example, you know what I mean? Like it, there are limits on what you can do with your arm instead of just accepting that and being able to fucking work within an offense like that you basically are just kind of beating your head against the wall. It's kind of similar to, um, it's kind of similar to how Matt Nagy runs an offense. You know what I mean? If they, to, to be completely blunt with it, it's like, I'm going to make you what I want you to be. Like your strengths have to be on like, yeah, your strengths are awesome, but you need to be great at everything. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's what they tried doing with Mariota instead of just kind of embracing what he was good at. Um, understanding that he does have arm talent, but it is limited to a sense. Like, there were people in that draft, I remember, in the pre-draft process that were saying that Mariota has more polished arm than Jameis Winston, and that just flat out wasn't true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Mariota could move around, and he could set up throws downfield because he could use his legs legs a lot better than a guy like Jameis, who is historically a pocket passer. Jameis um, a fucking cannon. Dude, his his arm talent is disgusting. He just has... And I still think they're doing... They're so stupid in New Orleans. You're rolling with fucking Andy Dalton week after week when you have someone that, hey, maybe. And that's the thing, too. Sean, upside, you, you are, they're ignoring upside. Yeah. They really are. But I think uh, that's yeah. kind of full circle, right? Marcus Mariota, not as much upside as originally thought. Maybe there was a ceiling on that. And then you're right. When defensive coordinators are trying to take away exactly what you're good at and forcing you to do things you're not good at, then you get exposed a little bit and, you know, kind of have that that tailspin in your career. Cause you're right. He he's the same player he was from rookie year till now. Like, and when he came onto the scene in his rookie year, it was actually pretty fucking electric. Um, so I don't know. It's one of those things, but should we get yeah. into their, their offense? Cause you're, I mean, you hit on a really good point. They're almost neck and neck in terms of rushing and passing yards. Like they're, they're right there, um, right on top of each other. I think they have like 100 more passing yards than rushing yards, and some of that's due to Marcus Mariota, and they've been filtering through guys like Tyler Algier, Cordell Patterson, who we all know and love. That's a guy that it just goes to show. It doesn't matter how good your team is. doesn't matter um, you know who your coach is or if you win zero games. If you go out there, have a good fucking attitude, and play like you want to win every fucking game, give your heart to it, Chicago fans will love and embrace you because that's one guy that was in a really bad the end of a of what seemed to be one of the best eras in Bears football that completely fucking unraveled. Um, and I always was down to hear how about them Bears, right? Like that's a guy that I, that I did not want to see 
get lost in free agency. I'm glad to see he's healthy. Um, his first year with Atlanta, he went fucking nuts, dude. Like last year, it took like three or four weeks for people to really start claiming him off waiver wires for fantasy. But in terms of production, like he was receiving, rushing, whatever he was doing, he just worked out well. And I think honestly, like he's just one of those guys that's a football player. And like the more time you give him at a certain position, he's just going to get better and better at it. And that's what's happened with running back, to be honest. Well, dude, I, I, and the thing with Cordero is what kind of took him off the map a little bit this year is just his injuries. But yeah. I mean, dude, he's still that dude. Like oh, he's still sure. a guy who in, I guarantee he's going to come into this game with a little bit of juice, you know, trying to gash this fucking defense, you know? Um, and he brings a load. <laughs> he's someone that's what that's I, what, what I think about fucking Cordero Patterson, this actually pops in my head today. And I'm like, you know what? Holy shit. Um, you remember Mark Barron off the Rams yeah. uh, safety? That yeah. he's draft, drafted as a safety. And he was one of the first, like, situations where they started playing a safety at linebacker, essentially, as a sub-linebacker. That was one of the first, like, in the modern-day NFL. I mean, you could you can go back to, like, Erlacher switching from safety in college to linebacker in the NFL, but that's different, you know what I mean? But Barron was a guy who was a pretty good safety, wasn't great per se, but he extended his career by going the linebacker. And it was something that really a lot of teams didn't really think to mess around with, and now you see it everywhere. Now you see sub linebackers. You see guys like Jamal Adams, who's basically who, who is a linebacker anyway. He just happens to be a safety on the fucking official roster playing linebacker. You know what I mean? So like I see Cordero Patterson in that sense, kind of on the offensive side of the football. He was kind of that first guy that kind of went from wide receiver. Like he was always seen as a wide receiver, like never was seen as a running back until Belichick one day is like, Oh fuck dude, we have nobody at running back. I think it was the Raiders that started that actually. I I th- I mean they might have used him on end rounds, but I'm pretty sure it was I'm pretty sure it was Bill that gave him the Belichick. first start running back. So he had a couple games or randomly would get carries with the Raiders, but Belichick was the first one to be like use him as a feature back for five straight games. Like yes, yeah. sure. Um yeah. but he was used as a running back a little bit with the Raiders. So I mean, but with that, like I mean, a lot of people, even when he was with the Patriots, so like they were always he always saw him as like a main receiver. And even with the Bears, like when he was brought in, like yeah, we yeah, saw him as our like we wanted to see him as at receiver, like a lot more than we did. You know, it was one of those situations where it's like this guy's fucking huge, he's fast, he can get downfield in a hurry. Like obviously he can return, but like he he has deep threat written all over him. But at the same time, like when you put him in the backfield, that size just immediately turns into a huge advantage. And then you think of that speed and it's like, there's nothing this guy can't do at the running back position. If you think about it, you know what I mean? Um, and obviously, do we're seeing more of that throughout the NFL? Do we see it with a guy like Debo Samuel? You know what I mean? That's a guy who mixes, mix. He can be your outside receiver on a play. He could be in your backfield next. You know what I mean? Um, and McCaff- even some people calling it for, for Velas, right? Like, or for Velas Jones. Like, people are saying, Hey, maybe let's try him out there a little bit in that Debo Samuel type role. Uh, especially, well, with, I mean, dude, and and now Montgomery looks like he's banged up. Like, that's not a bad idea. You know what I mean? Because like, and all right, so if we're gonna get more Bears related, because we, we're definitely talking a lot about fucking Cordero Patterson, Marcus Mariota, but honestly, those are probably the biggest weapons besides like a Drake London who was first round pick, a Kyle Pitts who not obviously is Kyle Pitts is premier. Oh, dude, Kyle Pitts is actually kind of fucking horrifying when you think about like where we are with the linebacker room. I mean, shout out to Jack Sanborn, but fucking hell, man, you got a you got oh, a challenge on your hands this I think week. That's Brisker's duty all week. It, it's yeah, hundred percent. Brisker's gonna follow him around the field, but um, honestly, that's not a bad idea, Lucas, about um getting Valus in the running back in the running back room because ironically, a Tennessee guy 
Um, probably didn't play a lot of running back before he got to the NFL. Same with Cordero didn't play in like really any running back at, uh, Tennessee, but it hits a certain point where it's like, if we're not going to have Valus on the, on the active roster at the, in the wide receiver room, like why not at least give him a, sh- a shot at running back? Cause it's like, if David Montgomery is pretty banged up, which usually around this time of the year, even if he's not on the injury report, he's definitely usually dealing with something, you know, cause that's oh, just the physical style that. that he plays with. Um, and then Tristan Ebner, a guy that we both like, but like Valus is a third round talent for a reason. You know what I mean? There's explosion there. There, there might be something there. And there's a lot of running backs in the NFL who aren't between the tackle guys who can just get to the edge and just fucking make you, you know, make you pay for it. Hell on a, on a way less extreme level. Like I'm not compared directly comparing, look at a guy like Chris Johnson. You ever see Chris Johnson run through the fucking tackles? He was like, not a ton or even Raheem Mostert, dude, Raheem Mostert's been an outside guy his whole career. Um, he's never been someone to really get it dirty. That's why they always had someone spell him like an Elijah Mitchell or, uh, uh, Jeff Wilson or someone like that, right? Like to do the dirty interior work. So yeah, no, you're hundred percent right about that. I, I think, um, listen, you spent a second rounder on Claypool and a third rounder on Bayless. Those are your two main acquisitions in terms of weapons for Justin Fields. And last week they had a combined fucking what, like 31% of snaps and zero, two targets maybe combined right like because one was fucking inactive so you've got to start utilizing those guys otherwise you know those types of moves add the fuck up and that's what makes me worry about the future a little bit um but that's you know for another episode for sure dude i, I don't know how the hell we didn't think of him Tariq cohen, you, uh, Tariq Tariq cohen. Did a little bit of the draw work and shit like that though but yes he was i wouldn't i wouldn't even hate seeing Bayless do that because it's like at a certain point, if you don't think he can crack the wide receiver room as it stands right now, do you think he's going to be able to crack the wide receiver room next year if we fucking add talent to it? Probably not. No, like no offense to Valus, but like twenty-five-year-old man, you know what I mean? Like we're just being real here. Like this and Equinemia St. Brown that are active in front of him. You need to start getting creative with it because, like, you need to find ways to get him on the field. Under, like, I understand the punt return thing didn't fucking work, unfortunately. Honestly, at a certain point with where we're fucking at in the season, maybe we'd give that another shot. You know what I mean? Like, we need to be able to find a fucking way to keep this guy on the roster because you spent a third round pick on him. You know, that's I I know there's going to be people that can discount a third round pick, but that, you know, I think you nailed it. Like, we spent a second and a third on Claypool and fucking Bayless Jones. We need production from those picks, you know, otherwise, otherwise we're tossing draft capital at shit that we shouldn't be. And that starts to become an issue if it continues, you know, second and third round picks are seen as should be a starter in, you know, one to two years, right? Like second round picks. A lot of the times you're going to want them to start right away. You would think they're going to be an immediate upgrade at a specific position, unless you're stacked at that position. Then it's cool because they're, you know, a high priority backup that if you have someone go down, that room is still super strong. Um, And then third round picks, you're looking at like, the hey let's develop them for a year and get them on the field in year two or year three right so yeah definitely I mean I I think you got to try to utilize this guy's skill set because the little bit we have seen of him I know there's been some mistakes like the not extending fully for for the the fucking bomb obviously the muff punts things like that but we see the explosiveness when he has the ball in his hands like it's there so yeah even honestly dude honestly dude do you think uh, and not, I'm sorry, not to interrupt your point, but like you brought up a good point. Do you think that extension of the arm actually made it so he's not fucking active? 
Like, do you think that's something he got reamed no. on in film or something? Because, no, like, besides that, like, he didn't make mistakes in that game. And he actually, I'm pretty sure he actually had, like, two pretty good end arounds. So it's weird that Valus just fell off I think the it's, that it's way. predictable, and you can do the end arounds with with Equinemia St. Brown is shown to be pretty effective with that, but shown to be a better wide receiver. Right. And I think you, it just limits you a little bit um, in terms. And I understand it for when you're, Hey, you know, you had a pretty light schedule. Um, what was he inactive for the last two games? So right yeah, after the Dallas game, we're like, right Hey, we need to fucking win this Detroit game. We got to win this Atlanta game. Like there's a few games in a row here that we got to win and we can put ourselves right in this wild card conversation. Now that it seems like it's a little bit further away, I, I implore them to, uh, and it looks like Nikhil Harry's inactive for for an illness. I, I know we're, we should probably get into the injury report, but yeah, no, like I want to see him touch the field. And like you said, with no Khalil Herbert, I don't mind keeping an extra wide receiver on the on the active roster and then letting him kind of had a, have a pseudo uh, receiving role out of the backfield because now you've got him on wheel routes, stuff like that, with a little bit of space in front of him. If he leaks out, um, you know, on any type of flare route or wheel route, anything like that, quick out, now you're getting him the ball in space um, with, you know, a really good after the catch yards after catch ability. So it's tough because, you know, it doesn't seem like everything went well with Velas and we tried to, we tried to put him on our back and just hoist him into fucking superstardom, but it's not working out. Um, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, let's see what we got with the kid though. Right. We talked about that last episode. Like, let's see what we got with some, with some of these younger guys. Um, because a lot of these guys are on one year contracts that are, that are starting. Right. Um, let's, and if they're not going to be here next year, if you don't intend on extending them, you know, fucking let's see what these guys got. Um, not yeah. saying anything, but maybe you'll find a gem, right? Someone that you could build around the next year. Yeah. I mean, this is the point of the season. Like, I mean, this is, this is why we're not just going super in depth on every single thing the Falcons do and every single thing the bears are doing right now, because like, this is the point in the season where it's like, why not see everything that we have? Like, I know we talked about it a little bit on the last episode, but like, it, it's important. I, I like the Valus idea. I don't know if it's a real consideration because like, you know, I I feel like we could make arguments for a bunch of players to switch positions. You know, it's just kind of something we do as fans, you know, just kind of identifying talents. Coaches obviously have a little bit different of a view when they're fucking seeing these guys every single day. But I I mean, I don't see how it hurts to like have Tristan Ebner and Valus Jones share the backfield and shotgun and uh, have a have a fucking screen pass go to Tristan Ebner just as a decoy because the defense is going to start following Valus because they think, oh, well, Valus is on the field in the backfield. They're obviously going to throw the ball to him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. something like that. And, and that's that's where I feel like we should like I wish we would have used Valus early on in the season a little bit more using him as a decoy because like it does feel super predictable when he does come into a game you know what I mean and that's that's the problem with like maybe okay you don't get a lot of snaps Valus but we're gonna try to make him count when we do the only issue with and you know that's great in theory if you want to get get a guy going but in practice it's like no this defense is like Vela's on the field the ball's obviously going to him or he's going outside or something like that where like you were talking about with an end round with like Ekinemary St. Brown a little bit different you know people aren't going to look at Ekinemary St. Brown there's so many plays on the field where he doesn't even get fucking like a glance from Justin Fields you know what I mean so when he does make a play there's a little bit more of that like okay when when Valus, I don't think, got under like seven yards on one of those end rounds. So while it may be a little bit predictable, it was still effective. Like a seven-yard run is a seven-yard fucking run. Um, 
I, I'm not even saying necessarily have him step in for Khalil Herbert and tote the rock fucking 12 times or whatever, right? Like, I, not, I don't even know if I want to see that. I'm saying, you know, give him, you know, give him, see what he's got there. Give him maybe one pitch or one handoff and then just have him play wide receiver from the running back spot, right? Have him line up next to Justin and be a safety valve, someone that Justin can flip it to if, if the rush starts getting out of hand, right? Um, so he's not having to work up through the pocket. Like that's, that's all I'm saying. I'm saying just, just put him in different spots. Like we've seen fucking Devonte Adams get lined up in the backfield with Aaron Rodgers last year. Right. When, when they were, or I think it was Allen Robinson too. Um, we'll see. They used, they used to do with uh, Randall Cobb a lot too. Yeah. You'll see people get lined up in different spots just to help with matchups and things like that. You got Bayless Jones on a fucking, uh, a possible defensive end or outside linebacker, you know, in a, in a shallow set or get him just on a straight up off ball linebacker. Um, that's a, that's a matchup nightmare. Like that's not like him against the corner. Definitely not a matchup nightmare him against a linebacker. They can't do anything right. Like even a quick Texas route, a quick little slant, like that's going to hurt teams. So that's just kind of why I'm like, let's see well, what the kid can do. Well, I mean, dude, and even even I guess kind of uh, going into our next point here, kind of looking at where the offense can kind of like take advantage of what Atlanta's defense is going to give them. Like a guy like Velas from the inside, it'll keep guy, it'll keep the interior like linebackers, it'll keep them busy. You know what I mean? It'll it'll keep them like keeping the eyes in the fucking backfield to have to watch that. Well, they already got to open up a play to like a Cole Komet or something like yeah. that a little bit down the field because. In all honesty, looking at their defense, their fucking their front seven's actually pretty damn strong. Like they're they they have some fucking players up here, man. McHugh Walker, Rashad Evans, you know, Nick Kwiatkowski, our old friend. Um, I'm not Wait. even gonna try to say Arnold's name, but that guy, Lorenzo Carter is a pretty good player as well. Like, and that's not even talking about freaking Grady Jarrett and Abdullah Anderson, you know what I mean? Grady like, Jarrett, Abdullah Anderson, and uh uh what is it? I'm trying to think of his name. His last name's Graham. Um, Taquan Graham. Taquan Graham. Taquan Graham. Like that's like a really stout front three. And you think about um, Grady Jarrett and Taquan Graham. Those two are playing the prototypical. Uh, they're in a three-four. So you're thinking about last year, um, Akeem Hicks and Bilal Nichols. Like they're playing those spots that are you can fucking really hurt teams if you're able to take on multiple blocks clog holes leak through you know get your hands on a running back not even necessarily tackle them but just just disrupt and they're both very very good disruptors so to be honest when you look at their defense um they're nowhere near as good on the back end and then in terms of pass rushing they're not the greatest pass rushing team so i personally think this if you're waiting for a justin fields to throw for 250 type game this is the one like this is the one that the Bears need to expose their back end um, and their lack of pass rush the way other teams have exposed our lack of pass rush, right? Because we have a good back end and we can't get to the fucking ball. Well, dude, and just kind of looking ahead to the injury report, I guess I'll just go through the Falcon side of things just because it's it, there's really not a lot here. Um, AJ Terrell is a guy, been their number one corner for a while. They drafted him, I believe he was a first round pick. Um, he's, he's sit. what's that? It's a really good player. Yeah, no, I really liked AJ Terrell coming out. Um, he's sitting at questionable right now. Um, he's been limited all week. That's uh, that's a situ- that's a situation where if he's either if he either gets taken out mid game or doesn't play for whatever reason, then their secondary weakens significantly. The only other like real dog that I would say is in their secondary is Richie Grant, who I think is actually a very good uh, up and coming safety. Um, 
dude, there's guys, Darren Hall, Isaiah Oliver, Rashad Fenton, T D Alford, Mike Ford. Like these are all guys that just are, these are matchup fucking like dreams for the Chicago bears receiving core. Like, and, and kind of like to the point I was making a little bit ago when we got into this point, like using a guy like Bayless Jones, the backfield or just kind of having the backfield decoy, uh, decoy the uh, front seven, don't give those corners or safeties help, man, and get some one-on-one matchups on the outside and just let Justin go to work. Um, I, I thought you made a good point earlier about, you know, the potential of like Justin playing hero ball and having that like one and having like a 75 yard run or something like that. Like I, I don't like the word, I don't like hero ball. So like, I, I'm definitely against that for sure. Um, I think it'll only get you so far, but we talked about that on the last episode. Um, I guess if I'm if I can get anything from Justin in the running game, I want it to just be opportunistic. I don't want it to be volume. You know what I mean? Like I want him to have like five, six rushes for like a good chunks of yards each time. You know what I mean? Because yeah, like, right? Yeah. Like I don't I don't need him to have those like read options where he's getting six, seven yards. Like those are cool. Like and if we're gonna commit to like running the ball, like when we're in a playoff run or something like that, and we need to fucking just churn it out against a team that has a nasty secondary, like I'm cool with that. But like, let's let's get Justin airing it out a little bit in this game. You know what I mean? Let let if he's gonna run, let it be an opportunistic situation where he can read that nothing's available downfield and he sees a big opening wide open, you know, wide open. It's like get that 25, 30, 30 yard run. That's cool. But like after that, like don't don't overextend yourself in this game, I guess would be the best way. Because yeah, honestly, Justin's comments from earlier this week talking about having heavy legs after that last game, that 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 worries me worries me a lot well yeah and that's that's the last thing you want and now like you know a lot of people are already talking about who the bears are going to draft next year right it's not kind of a everyone's already starting to look towards next year so i don't want to jinx anything or say anything right like that could jinx someone but now we're starting to look at those common injuries that sideline you for nine months like now we're looking at if something happens to him um in a lower extremity like he could be missing significant time next year. Right. Like, so I understand that some of these surgeries and, uh, in like a ligament, you know, ligament surgery, shit like that. Some of it's a little bit more routine at this point and whatever, but let's, let's like, let's fucking keep this guy healthy. Right. Um, I think we've gotten to the point where the, the offensive line has been good enough and the, the game plan has kept defenses off balance enough where you're not going to have people just because before it was like, Gatsy was trying to fucking make Justin Fields, Aaron Rodgers. Dudes were just screaming up the field. We did not have anyone to fucking block them. And he's just getting murdered. Like luckily in the last few games, he hasn't, even though he's running the ball more, he hasn't taken nearly the types of hits he did in those first four games where it was blindside getting fucking destroyed helmet flying off. Right. So there's that part of it. Um, But yeah, I just think it's time. Like, like you, like you said, and like we said last week, we're looking towards next year a little bit now. So let's start to develop, to develop some of those things, whether it's chemistry with Chase Claypool, um, Valus Jones getting on the f- field, right? Like some of, let's just develop some of those other parts of Justin's game so we can hit the ground running next year um, when it comes to t- time for training camp. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. Um, I, I think you hit on some pretty good points there. Um, honestly, like, let's, like you said, like, let's just, we know Justin can run the football. Like we, we don't need to see more of that. You know what I mean? Like we don't need to volume run it. Like let's, let's see Justin continue to develop as he moves the pocket, because I think that's something that's actually 
probably been more impressive than his running as of late is his ability to be able to move the pocket and extend him, like extend time to get things to open up downfield. Um, I think he's been doing great in play action as well. Um, I, I feel like people kind of get lost in the myth that uh, a quarterback that's great at play action has to be mobile or that any mobile quarterback would be great at play action when dude Drew Brees made a fucking living off of play action almost his entire career just because of fucking how dangerous he was in the pocket stepping up after play action. And that's something that Justin's been doing really good at, dude. His footwork from week one to now in the pocket is fucking night and day. And that's something that every time I went to training camp this past year, he was getting drilled on footwork. Like Getsy was up in his ass during every individual quarterback drill to come in and show him how the footwork should have looked on that play. And it's something that like, if you're going to give Getsy credit for anything, I think more even than his play calling has been his ability to really drive the point home with footwork with Justin Fields. Cause I, I don't think Justin had bad, bad footwork before. Um, I just feel like sometimes, you know, his he knows his arm talent and he knows that he can throw it fucking any damn angle that he wants. But when he's able to set his feet and deliver a throw in fucking stride, it's he can make like disgusting throws. And that's some of the things that we've seen, dude. I think of that throw to fucking Mooney in the left corner of the end zone just a few weeks ago, man. That was, a, that was beautiful. Dude, exactly. And it's funny because that's the one where um, he rolled left sets his feet and throws to the other side of the field. And it couldn't have been any more perfect of a throw, dude. And the big thing is too, that's what I'm getting at. Like he doesn't actually need to be running the ball anymore because he's, he's broken a record. His fucking shoes are in Canton, right? Like him rolling out is going to freeze people right away. Edge rushers have to respect. Now they can no longer come up field the way they were coming up field to start the year because they now have to play contain because one thing that you want to say, Justin Fields in terms of development, he is now feeling pressure in the beginning of the year. I mean, fucking albeit it's, it's a badass way to go. He was willing to take any shots in that pocket. Like he did not care. He was always his keeping his eyes downfield was never a problem. It was never like, I'm going to tuck and run when shit goes, goes bad. It was his, his eyes were always downfield, but he's really feeling the pressure now and moving and sliding within the pocket. Um, while, while the pressure is getting to him or not getting to him, right. He's, he's evading it without actually, it seemed like before you'd always notice when it was a little bit too late and he would just get fucking cracked on and it's not happening anymore. So I don't know. And then another thing too, is we have to mention the play fakes, man, like the play fakes. If, if, you, you would think Getsy seeing Aaron Rodgers, as much as I fucking hate the guy, and we just danced on their grave all last night. Fantastic job by the uh, Tennessee Titans to go in there and wipe their noses in it and, and destroy their season. Fantastic. Dude, Mike Grable just easily. Oh, easily. yeah. No doubt about it. Um, absolutely. Take, <laughs> take a couple tuna cans of that, too. Um, but what was I going to say? No. So one thing that Aaron Rodgers has been elite at his entire career is selling a play fake and the play fakes have gotten so much better. And I think that's so much more important to play action than um, blocking scheme and things like that. Like, cause if you sell that play fake, if you're just going out there and limp dicking it and just throwing your arm out there and you're, you're the balls in your other hand the whole time, like they're going to come straight for you. They're not going to bite on that. They're going to see there's no ball. Now you see, he's like showing it, dragging it out. And then, you know, as the mesh is coming, he's putting it in his belly and fucking going like that's that's really high level shit, dude. Um, so who are all of these Detroit fans coming? Dude, out? I, I swear it's like we're streaming live in fucking Detroit, Michigan, man. I, honestly, I respect it. 
I will say before I get to this point with Justin Fields, you know, that guy that's our quarterback that's going to be fucking great in the NFC North for a long time. And just just in case you're wondering, uh, I think it was a guy that Detroit could have drafted too. Uh, just in case you're wondering as well, um, I got to give Lions fans credit. They are Lions fans, and the Lions have done nothing. So that's loyalty, dude. It, that is loyal. That is like as loyal as it fucking gets. So I, res- I, I'm not even trying to meme on you. I respect the hell out of that. And to be honest, like I. I fucking there's no one that pounded the table more for Dan Campbell than me. Like I fucking love Dan Campbell, oh, dude. And I'm 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 the same boat, man. I, I fucking like I love that their, dude. Yeah, I like a lot of their draft picks. Like you know, so I listen. If the Bears were competing with the Lions every single year for the division, I would have no hate for you. The only t- tr- team I truly have hate for is the Green Bay Packers. And to be honest, I feel like a lot of NFC North fans feel that way. Vikings, I don't know. They're whatever. Um, just I don't, I don't, I will say though, it is embarrassing to lose to the Detroit lions. So you guys have that over us this year. So I will, I will root for the Vikings if they're playing the Packers. But besides that, I fucking hate the Vikings too. Uh, their fans, I think I might hate more than the actual team, but that's, that's for a different story. Anyway, uh, with the Justin Fields, just kind of the, the point I wanted to make here, um, is I really think we see what he does when he fucking you know, breaks pressure and goes on a run. Like, dude, I I use the word magician all the time watching him fucking just escape the pocket because he'll escape like two sacks, roll out, and then he'll run for 20 yards for a first down. If Justin can do that, Justin can do that while rolling out and delivering a fucking dime ball. Like, and that's going to come. That's, that's why I like seeing that so much. It's not because I know Justin's about to get a 20 yard run. Obviously in the moment, I'm excited about that. But the more I look at plays like that, it's like, dude, this is shit that fucking the best quarterbacks in in the league do within the pocket. This is stuff that Patrick Mahomes does within the pocket. This is stuff that Aaron in his prime used to do in the pocket. This is shit that fucking even Brady used to do it to manipulate the pocket as well. Like he's a guy who used to be able to just fucking step up in a pocket, avoid a guy basically coming right at him by being able to make that first fucking step so quick to be able to deliver a throw. Like that's the type of pocket awareness that fucking Justin Fields is starting to develop. And once that develops with him being able to like use his arm, once he's be able to get out of that trouble, like, holy shit, dude, the sky's limit. Cause once he builds this chemistry with his wide receivers, kind of understanding this and Mooney does a good job of it right now. I think um, he understands not to give up on a route and just kind of start blocking too soon. But like once a guy like chase Claypool understands like, okay, it looks like I should probably start blocking downfield because Justin's running in fucking circles back there and he just broke like three sacks. But it's like if I just do, like find some space to get open, he's probably going to deliver to me on the run and we're going to get like fucking 40 yards compared to the 20 that he just ran for. So like that's something that I hope is like next in the development because that's something that he did pretty good at Ohio State when he would move around and manipulate the pocket and just throw an absolute dime ball 40 yards down the field. Um, it's something I want to see translate to the NFL. And, you know, I think, I don't think there's anything Justin's not capable of, you know, anything that I say, I hope Justin can do It's stuff. That's like, yeah, Justin can do this. You know what I mean? It's just, it's getting him to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, so, um, we are for the bears. Yeah. We're running kind of long here. Yeah. We're running tight. All right, Lucas, uh, bold prediction. And why is it that this is going to be the German Jermaine Effetti game for the Atlanta Falcons? You want my bold prediction? Damn, you put me on the spot. Um, bold prediction. I'm gonna go with um, 
the Chicago Bears holding the Chicago Bears defense holding the Atlanta Falcons to 17 points or less. Okay. Okay. Um, I do want to mean that sucks balls on defense. Like talking about DVOA, the Bears and Falcons are neck and neck, like at 28 and 29. So, yeah, no, this is going to be a shootout. I I genuinely feel like it's going to be a shootout. Um, so I do want to, uh, I do want to dance a little bit because my Sanborn take, a uh, hot take fucking smashed last week because not only did he get that tackle for a loss, but he also had 12 fucking tackles b- besides that. Um, I'm sick that I didn't predict a fucking sack. Um, and I feel like if I would have predicted the interception, it would have got called back the same way it did anyway, because uh, that's what happens when I predict Eddie Jackson interceptions. Uh, so yeah, uh, Jack Sanborn is that dude. We didn't bring him up enough. Uh, basically because the national media is finally giving him attention. But uh, just remember the first guy, who was super fucking high on Jack Sanborn, baby. Another <laughs> um, another bold prediction, actually. I'm going to go ahead and say that for the David Montgomery fantasy owners and the people, you know, with Khalil Herbert out now, um, I think he's going to have himself a nice little, like, 18-point fantasy game as well. Okay. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna go bold, Lucas. I'm yeah. going to go bold. I'm going to say Chase Claypool has seven catches and a touchdown. <laughs> I would love to see that. I I think this is going to be the week. I think week one, they tr- they rushed him out there a bit. Um, You know, he played a lot more snaps than I thought he was going to week one. Yeah. And then the next week it was like, okay, why isn't he playing kind of the same volume as he did? You know, obviously his snap count went down a little bit. I think this is a week. Claypool's, you know, they haven't been talking about him at House Hall. Iberflus didn't bring him up at all this week. Haven't uh the only person who really talked about it was Justin, and Justin was talking about how he's been spending a lot of time with Claypool, getting him up to speed and everything like that. I think something's brewing there. Like, and maybe this is me just getting a little bit meatballish. Maybe this is me just getting a little bit too fucking high on the Eber fuel. You also need it too. But dude, I think I think Chase Claypool is gonna have himself a game. Um, but now let me go through that. Uh, what are we feeling about score predictions, Lucas? I'll let you start out. I got the Bears 24 and the Falcons 13. Okay. That's that's a little lower. on. That's probably a little bit lower than I would have went. So uh, you're going to go the under then, yeah? That, that's what I, I – dude, I told you this was my – the under in this game is my favorite. It's going to move a lot faster than you think because you got two guys that don't throw the ball a ton, don't throw the ball a ton, and are pretty efficient when they do throw the ball. It's We're going to pretty much have a fucking running clock. Yeah, I. Yeah, okay, I could see that point. Definitely, the running clock idea. Um, I think it's going to be Bears thirty-four, Falcons twenty. Oh, God damn it, a lap! You stole 27, 28, 34, 28. I think the Bears are going to crack thirty points again. Um, I think they win this one. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a shootout. You know, I think I think a guy like Kyle Pitts probably going to have a really big day. I think a guy like. Uh, Drake London, yeah, it's going to be a really good test for a guy like Jalen Johnson, who's been getting a lot of fucking slander lately. And, you know, I think maybe he deserves some of it, but, you know, some people take it a little bit further. Uh, You know, probably people who, you know, probably love Braylon fucking Edwards. But uh, regardless, you know, just I I really think this is going to be a shootout. I think a lot of points get scored. And, uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about it. So, Lucas, unless you have anything else. um. This has been the Barely There Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Barely There Pod. Be sure to hit the like button. Be sure to subscribe. I don't care if you're from fucking Detroit. I don't care if your name's Joey Two Times or what's this other guy's name? Don Burr. Uh, dude, I don't care, man. Subscribe. Like, give us this shit every single week. Like, you are the Detroit Lions and you beat us. 
I'll, I'll give it to you. Uh, but anyway, I'm Duke Coughlin. You can follow me at that pod guy, Duke, on Twitter. That's Lucas Fetty. You can follow him. He is the Ayatollah of Capicola. Be sure to follow him on Twitter as well. Um, Spotify, Apple, you know how, you know where to find us, rate us, all that fun stuff. Uh, this has been Barely There. Bear down. Bear down.